All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Hardly Knowledgeable Podcast. Uh, I am Nolan Warner, joined as always by uh, Drew Schoenberger and Bryson Ellis. It is December 5th now. Um, in, it is 12.08 a.m. Just got done with Championship Saturday. Just got done watching Michigan um, beat Iowa 41-3, 42-3. Um, quite a dominating performance. So I think we can go ahead and start there uh, with the championship games that we watched today. We'll go ahead and go in order. We'll start with the Big 12 title game played in Arlington, Texas um, between Baylor and Oklahoma State. Bryson, if you want to take it away and give us your thoughts on that game. Yes, that game kind of surprised me. I'm, I mean, like Drew said in our last uh, podcast, that it's hard to be a Dave Miranda-led team if you have a bunch of turnovers. And so... What did Spencer Sanders do? He came out and threw four pits. And their defense is good. They were kept them in as long as they could, but it's just hard to come up with, you know, four four turnovers, hard to overcome that. Um, I thought play calling was questionable uh, towards the end zone. And especially you don't deserve to win if you have eight plays at the one-yard line and can't get in. But Baylor showed up ready to play. The quarterback balled out, and they end up, you know, walking with the win. Yeah, so I was a little surprised about not the result, final score of the game, but I was a little surprised that Baylor was looked like they were just going to dominate, and then Oklahoma State kind of clawed their way back in. I'm sure if you look back at it, that two of the three touchdown drives that Baylor had were on relatively short fields due to interceptions thrown by Spencer Sanders. So mm-hmm. that definitely helped out. Um, but Chapin – Blake Shapin, he really balled out, especially in the first half. Obviously slowed down in the second half. But Oklahoma State does have a really good defense, so that makes sense. I kind of thought watching him in person play against K-State and then last week against Texas Tech, I kind of thought that he wasn't much worse than Gary Bohannon and they might just be on the same level. So happy to get that pick right. A little bummed out that Oklahoma State couldn't win and, uh, you know, get in the – get in the college football playoff. Although I guess since Bama won, that might not have happened anyway. But, you know, Dave Aranda was really calm when the game ended, which I have no idea how because they won by literally an inch. So pretty pretty crazy game. I feel like that was the best, like, overall game of the day, honestly. Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you there, Drew. It was was really fun to watch, especially there towards the end. Um, I will say this, Oklahoma State turned the ball over four times, and the fact that they were in it and had a chance to win on the goal line at the end of the game is really a testament uh, to that senior-led defense. Um, but if you look at it, I think if you don't have a championship-level quarterback, then no matter how good the rest of the team is, you're not going to win championships. Um, and that is true in the Big 12 and in the college football playoff. Um, and I agree, the game became inconsequential, you know, four hours later after – Alabama shellacked Georgia, but it was fun to watch, and it was a really gritty football game. Two teams really wanted to win. Two fan bases really wanted a title, and it was just – it was really fun to watch. I, I enjoyed watching Dave Rand and Mike Gundy, and I hope we will get to see them match up against each other a lot in the future um, in the new Big 12. All right, let's move on to the game in Atlanta. Uh, so we'll talk about that first. Alabama – Number three, Alabama beat Georgia, um, and it wasn't very close. Um, so we'll go ahead and go back to you, Bryson, and we'll see 
what you what you thought about that one. Yeah, so also surprised about this one. Georgia's defense can say it was overrated, maybe. I mean, they have one, you know, quality win against the top 25 team, but other than that, their schedule's not as dominant as, and their wins aren't as dominant as we were making them out to be, and that defense folded, and they folded bad during, I mean, Bryce Young's legit, and he's, you know, probably the Heisman favorite now, and they have two solid receivers, even though Metchley went out with the knee injury. But that D-line, who looked, or offensive line that was atrocious against Auburn, showed up the play and really shut down, you know, Jordan Davis and that D-line. And Alabama had their way. And when you're in a shootout with Alabama with, you know, Stetson Bennett at quarterback, you're not – I don't like your chances. And that's kind of what it came down to, and they got outplayed. Yeah, so going into that game, I honestly thought Bama had no shot. I knew going in that Bryce Young was probably first or second in the Heisman – pecking order and really just being the best quarterback in the country and that Jim and Jamison Williams is obviously a stud receiver. John Betchie's also good, but going into the Bama really had no run game and Auburn really just beat him up front last week. So maybe that result is more of an outlier and Bama just like Bryce Young had all day to throw, which was just something I was not expecting to happen. I thought Georgia was going to bully them up front and it was really the opposite. Like they didn't, Really good. I guess they got some pressure on them early, and they went up 10-0. But after that, Bama just dominated the game. So, yeah, maybe Georgia's defense is a little bit overrated, but I think Bama was just ready to play. And to be honest, Bama also had more to play for. Like, they're playing for their playoff lives. Whereas Georgia, I'm sure they wanted to win. Kirby Smart's never beat Saban since he's been at Georgia. But, you know, basically they're going to be in no matter what the result of that game is. So – Hopefully, well, I guess not hopefully because I want to see other teams win. But if a Georgia-Bama championship game is what ends up happening, I won't be too disappointed, and I bet it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see that rematch uh, play out again. Um, I mean, listen, Georgia's defense has been dominant all year, but they played the SEC East, and it's not Georgia's fault that the SEC East has been weak and – the teams that should not be bad are bad, especially this year. Um, Tennessee definitely turned it around, and that was probably the best offense they faced uh, overall, and they held them to 17 points. But then you came you came up against an Alabama offense that we've been kind of waiting to get going um, all year, and then we just kind of thought that it would never come, and then it shows up um, in a game that's the most important for them this year, and it showed up in a big way. Bryce Young, even when they did get pressure on him, he was able to make plays with his feet, and eyes never came off from downfield, and he would he would make plays through the air, um, moving the pocket around, and I was really impressed with that. Um, it was a it was definitely a game of do we blitz and then get beat somewhere, or do we sit back in coverage and then let them pick us apart. Um, and I just don't know if you could have beaten that Alabama team. I don't know if any team could have beaten that Alabama team. Um, today they were they were really good uh we're actually let's go to the other game that was on three o'clock our time it was uh the future big 12 champs cincinnati uh taking on the houston um cougars uh so last week bryson and i gave our picks bryson uh (laughs) said that the bearcats would win the game by three he took a money line guys he took a money line cougars are gonna win Oh yeah. yeah, the Cougars. The Cougars were gonna win. He took a money line. 
uh, that didn't happen. It was close there, there at halftime. And then uh, in the second half, Cincinnati really, really brought a world of hurt down um, on Houston. So, Bryson, what do you think? Yeah, well, in that first half, Houston missed a couple chances to, you know, jump out ahead. They had two field goals instead of touchdowns, and that might change, you know, some. But, I mean, they're right where you wanted. You're underdog on the road, you know, true road game for one of the few, you know, conference championships. It's actually a true road game for them, and they were only down by one at half. Uh, come out, Cincinnati gets the ball, drives down the field, fourth and three, and they go for it. Questionable P.I. call on it, and I don't think it was P.I., but that's just me. And Cincinnati ended up getting the first down, punched it in, took momentum over, a couple turnovers from Houston, and that was basically all she wrote. If that game, you know, like I said, those couple drives in the first half where you get you get touchdown to the field goal and you don't lose momentum like that in the second half could be a completely different game. But after they got hit in the mouth in the second half in the second half they is folded and that game was over. Yeah, so something that I said last week was I thought that Cincinnati all year, like when they their two really big games they had was they beat Notre Dame and they beat SMU. And they beat Notre Dame by double digits, and they beat SMU by a lot. And I thought in games against Tulsa and Tulane and some other games, like they barely won by one score or maybe pulled away late. And it was like, if this team is supposed to be a top four team, how are they barely winning these games when it stacks up to all these other teams that are in the power five? And I kind of thought that was due to them playing down into competition. And I thought they'd come to play. And even though it was only a one-point game, I still thought they were playing well. I think Houston just a good team. Like, they're 11-1. I think they could compete with a lot of good teams. Maybe not teams in the top four, but maybe, like, in the 10 to 20 range, I really think they could compete. They look good. And then, like Bryson said, they got unlucky with that fourth and three call. I thought it was kind of like a – it might have been P.I. like he got there a little early, but it was kind of a soft call. But – Nevertheless, Cincinnati punched it in, and then Houston threw a pick six, which you just can't do in that spot. And then I think they got another turnover or just a punt, and then Cincinnati really just took care of business. Desmond Ritter looked good. Their running back, whose name I'm blanking on, who's a Bama transfer, he looked really good. Their defense really turned it on in the second half. So I think that was a good win for them between – good game between two good teams. And I think Cincinnati can – I don't think they're going to get blown out in the playoff. I think they're going to fight. They might not win. I don't really expect them to win, but I think they're going to fight. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of fight in that Luke Fickle team. They are going to play, be playing, or we assume they'll be playing uh, Alabama with their newly found offense. Um, not a lot. Not, uh, not a lot of teams, if they play the way they did this Saturday, can can beat that Alabama team. And Cincinnati really impressed me today. Um you know, they go in at halftime, they're only up by one, and then they come out and they just pounce on them, um, and it's over from there, especially since it's a home game at Cincinnati. And, I mean, the fans were into it. They were they were really loud. It's a stadium, about 46,000, but uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, that's another thing, just real quick. If you're going to call yourself a power, a power conference in the power six, then you shouldn't be having um, on-school – uh, championship <laughs> games and determining seeds, you should be going somewhere. Um, and the American Athletic Conference has a pretty big footprint with a lot of NFL stadiums in the middle of it. So I really think that if they're going to be calling themselves a power conference, it should be a neutral site game. Um, but I, I digress. That's that's something else. But Cincinnati really impressed me today. They beat Houston and they they made they made they left no doubt that they were the best team in the American Athletic Conference and the best Group of Five team um, out there. 
All right, moving on to the game we just watched, Michigan and Iowa. Um, there was never, never a doubt in anyone's mind that Iowa would win this game. No, nobody thought Michigan was losing. Um, final score was forty-two to three. Bryson, what do you think? Yeah, Michigan's dumb in that game, start to finish. I, like I said, when we were talking last week, I said you know Iowa might score a late garbage time touchdown, but that this is ugly. Like that team, that team can't score. Petrus is not very good. The offense is not very good, and I, I thought their defense was a little better than what they showed. But I mean, forty-two points, and Michigan led up in the four-two. I mean, a little bit, of course. But now Michigan is dumb in that game from start to finish, and it was not even, not even remotely close to watchable. <laughs> so my thoughts were that game went a little bit how I thought it would. I did think Iowa would, you know, score a touchdown at some point, but they didn't. Um, I was listening to a different podcast throughout the week, and they were like, is there any way that this game's even close? And one of them said, like, what if it's 7-3 to three at halftime? And they're like, yeah, but it'll be, it'll be a dominant – it'll be a dominant 7-3. to three. So this game was 14-3 to three at half, I believe. And 14-3 to three is not, like, a big lead, but I never really felt like Michigan was in trouble. Like, they just – like, that was a dominant 14-3. to three. And then once they finally got in the end zone in the second half, we just knew it was over. That Iowa team, they missed a field goal early, and that would have taken a 3-0 lead. So maybe if they do that, some momentum goes their way. But they never found – they were never going to find the end zone, and Michigan found the end zone six times. So, you know, dominant win by Michigan. Really good confidence going into the playoff. Happy for Coach Harbaugh. You know, he – I guess, he, you know, he was due. He hadn't ever made it to the Big Ten Championship since they started having a Big Ten Championship game again. And, you know, he had never beat Ohio State. So happy for him. Happy for Michigan. Happy for their fans. Hopefully they uh, can make a run now. Uh, yeah, definitely. Michigan kind of proved to us tonight that they they deserve to be in the playoff if they didn't prove it to us last weekend when they beat Ohio State um, the way they did. Um, I, last week, thought that Iowa, the only way they could be kept in it was by their defense, through their defense, because their defense played pretty well at times this year. And, um I mean, they did it. I mean, they, they held them to 14 in the first half, and then um, the offense just couldn't move the ball, and that's something that we've seen with Iowa a lot this year. It's kind of an uninventive offense, and it's it's just tough to watch. Uh, but it won them 10 games, so credit to them for winning 10 games. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan dominated the game. Michigan deserves to be in the top four, and Michigan, Michigan could give Georgia a run for their money, I'm just saying. Um, I really think that will be a fun game to watch. Uh, so let's talk about the Atlantic Coastal Conference championship game uh, featuring Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Both teams were 10-2 and two heading into the game. Uh, Pitt, it, Pitt and Wake Forest both had under 400 yards um, of total offense in that game, but there was no lack of points scored. Um, Bryson, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, well, like I said, I thought this game was going to be a shootout, and I was taking Pitt, and I was pretty close to my score projection for Pitt. I had 45, and I got 45. Just missed the whole shootout part with Wake Forest because they decided to turn the ball over four, maybe five times. But 
I was told in that last podcast that I'm taking Kenny Pickett over any quarterback in the league right now or in the college football. And he showed that again. I think he had two in the air and one on the ground, even though I think that play should be outlawed, his little state slide. But that's just me. But it's a good play. I mean, I guess if it's legal now, you might as well do it. But, yeah, Kenny Pickett showed up the play. He showed why he should be the number one draft pick for the quarterback position in the coming draft. And, I mean, there's not really much to talk about in this game. Pick kind of blew him out after that first first half, basically. So – I believe in the first quarter that game was 21 to 14. And I was thinking like, man, this game's going to be like, both teams are going to score 50. Whoever gets the ball last is going to win type of thing. I think Pitt missed a field goal and then Wake Forest. I think their quarterback turned it over three or four times, maybe three picks. I was a little surprised by it because he's been really solid all year. And then the second half, it was kind of, Pitt was up by three for a while, and then I think they had a pick six or they, like a pick that got them real close, and then they just had a bunch of short fields and were able to convert. You know, over 71 and a half points weren't scored, so I'm a little salty about that from Wake Forest. But, uh, you know, overall, Pitt scored 45 points. I think that coach, I don't really know much about them, but I feel like that coach has been around there for at least a little bit. So happy for him to get an ACC championship. You know, it's been Clemson for however many years in a row. So happy for them. Um, hopefully they get a nice bowl game and can maybe Kenny Pickett can prove himself, prove himself against, a, against a good defense. Yeah, and first of all, credit to Pitt's defense. They held the Wake Forest offense to under 300 yards um, total in the game, which is pretty impressive. Um, gave up only 82 yards on the ground. Um, so credit to Pitt's defense. They really showed up to play, and once that – once. Wake Forest turned the ball over, gave Pitt a short field, and they went up 10. Uh, I think the pressure just kind of mounted um, for Wake Forest, and they started to press and do things that uh, they shouldn't do or they wouldn't normally do, and uh, that led to turnovers. And that, you know, sharks smell blood in the water, and Pitt just piled it up um, there towards the end. So uh, pretty big blowout there. So uh, I want – your top four, your four teams going in uh, to the playoff. All right. So there's a lot of talk about Bama jumping to Michigan. And I'm, after watching that Bama and Georgia game, I thought that was going to happen. But the way that Michigan came out, and I know Iowa's not that good, but they're still a top – are they top 13 or 13 ranked team? They're still a top team. And they absolutely blew them out. And I don't think – I think it's disrespectful to knock them down at all. So I'm going Michigan one, and then the Alabama two. And I think the committee is going to try to avoid that Alabama-Georgia rematch in the first round. And so I think they're going to go ahead and roll with Cincinnati, who deserves to be in. I think they do. And so Cincinnati at three – or Georgia at three and Cincinnati at four would be my top four. Okay. So I don't disagree with any of that. I think if I were ranking – if it were me, like if I was the committee, it would be like a 50-50 toss-up of if I'd have Michigan at one or Bama at one. I think that the committee, and that's what I'm just going to go off of, I think they will value a win over a team that is going to be in the playoff. I think that they will value that more than Michigan beating Iowa. Now, I know Michigan won by more, and Iowa will probably be like a top 15, maybe closer to 20 after kind of taking a beating like that. 
So mm-hmm. I would have Bama at one, Michigan at two. And then, like you said, I think they try to avoid the Georgia-Bama rematch, at least in the first game, although maybe they still let it happen. And then you have Georgia at three and Cincinnati at four. Yeah, I 100%. Well, I don't agree with you there. I think Alabama beat the number one team in the country. And even though Michigan beat Iowa the way they did, Alabama beat the number one team in the country at number three, and they beat them going away with it. So I think that they undoubtedly deserve the number one spot, um, especially I think they'll, they'll value a win over number one more than a win over number 13. And I think Iowa will probably drop. Uh, but Michigan's definitely the number two team in the country. So I'm thinking Alabama, Michigan, and then to avoid Alabama and Georgia turning around and playing again, You've got Georgia at three, and then Cincinnati at four. Um, I'm really, I'm really hoping Cincinnati and uh, Cincinnati or Michigan are, is able to pull out, pull up, pull out a win there, um, so we don't have to see that game again. But uh, I don't know; those two teams are pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. So moving on uh, to the NFL, uh, they play football too. So. <laughs> Here's here's the secret. The three of us are Chiefs fans, uh, pretty big Chiefs fans. Uh, so we are going to talk about uh, the AFC West uh, today. So uh, pretty pretty good slate of games. Um, but we'll start with the Chiefs playing the Broncos tomorrow in primetime. Uh, Bryson, you want to go ahead and lead us off with your projection for that game? Yeah, so this game is weird to me because if you had told me you know, starting the year that week 13 Chiefs Broncos was going to be bumped to Sunday night football and the winner of that game was going to be ahead in the division. I tell you, you're crazy. But there's a lot of line in Arrowhead on, going on Sunday night. Uh, Chiefs opened at like, I think nine and a half favorites and they still are at nine and a half. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. And I think Drew's going to disagree on me here, but I'd take the Broncos to cover here. But I think, just because the Chiefs are normally pretty bad against the spread. But I think the Chiefs, you know, it's Andy Reid. It's after a bye week. They beat the Broncos 11 straight, I believe. So you have that. You have Andy Reid after a bye week with an insane record. And it's a home divisional game. I think Chiefs run away with this, but I think Broncos might score late and cover. Okay. So I – don't disagree with all that, although I am going to disagree with the against the spread pick, and it's tough, and I'm obviously biased as a Chiefs fan. But I think, you know, after we were three and four, after the Chiefs were three and four, after losing to the Titans, it was kind of like, okay, how are they going to turn around? So they turned around with barely beating the Giants on Monday Night Football, who aren't a very great team, and then they barely beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, if Aaron Rodgers plays that game, I don't really see how the Chiefs win. Then after that, they beat the Raiders, who are pretty decent, although they ever since the whole Henry Rex thing happened, they've been a little less good. We played them in Vegas on Sunday Night Football. Granted, there was probably more Chiefs fans there than there were Raiders fans. <laughs> Completely blew them out of the water. And then last week, or before the bye, play against the Cowboys, who are a good team. One nineteen to 9 you know, you want to score more, but I thought that was really good by our defense. So I think that we're pretty hot right now and we're coming off a bye. I think people, 
like outside of Chiefs and Broncos fans, I think that people might want to bet on the Broncos because they just beat the Chargers. And I think the Broncos are a little streaky. So a while back or earlier last month, they beat the Cowboys in Dallas. And everyone was like, whoa, the Broncos are finally doing good. Then they turned around and lost to the Eagles by 17 at home. So I could see them having a similar type of letdown. You know, they're playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead on prime time. You know, Mahomes has never lost to the to the Broncos. I think Andy Reid's won 11 straight. So my prediction is that we win this thing going away like 38 to 20 be my prediction. Yeah, I definitely think that the Chiefs are a much better team than the Broncos. I question um I question if their offense will get in a bit of, a little bit of a slump. Um that Cowboys game, I know we won and our defense played well. Or I know that I know the Chiefs won and their defense played well, but uh the offense only scored 19 points. I mean, it was it was tough to watch. Uh, it was definitely tough to watch. Um so I think that the Chiefs will win. I don't think they'll cover. I think it's going to be a close game, uh, a little bit too close for comfort just because it's Sunday night football um, and the Broncos are going to be ready to play. Uh, I mean, if Andy Reid's won 11 straight against the Broncos, then I think they might come in there with a chip on their shoulder and uh, want to play some pretty tough football. Um, but I think the Chiefs will win, um, but I don't, I don't think they will be, do, it, uh, do it running away. Uh, so let's talk about the two other teams um, in the AFC. The Chargers and the Bengals are going to play. Uh, the Bengals are favored by three right now. Um, the game will be in Cincinnati. Bryson, what are your thoughts? So this game's tough because the Chargers are struggling right now, to say the least. They kind of got lucky in that Steelers game at the end. When they, if Joe Hayden plays that game, or not Joe Hayden, if Minka Fitzpatrick plays that game, I don't think they win. And then, you know, they got killed by Denver last week, and they are struggling. And then you look at, you know, Cincinnati, and they're coming off a dominating win over the Steelers, and they beat the Raiders pretty handily. It's tough because I like this Chargers team, and I think they, you know, have a real shot at our division, but they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot right now. I think I Cincinnati at home, I think it's hard to bet against them, but I could, would not be surprised the Chargers came and upset them, basically. So this game's a little tough for me to pick as well because, yeah, the Chargers are struggling right now, but the Bengals seem to be kind of a streaky team. I remember they played the Ravens earlier in the season, but still play them again because that's in the division. But everybody thought the Ravens were just going to beat them because the Ravens are better. Like Lamar Jackson's been there before. Joe Burrow kind of hasn't. And the Bengals whipped up on them. I think 41-17 was the final score of that game. Like, just yep. completely killed them. And everybody was like, man, are the Bengals the best team in the AFC? There were all these things. And then the next week, they played the New York Jets with Mike White starting at quarterback and lost. So, the Bengals are definitely – like, they can definitely have a letdown. But looking at the Chargers, I think that – one major flaw they have, other than that Herbert hasn't really been as good lately as he was at the start of the year, I think that you can really run the football on them. I didn't really see – I didn't watch the game last week because I had some other stuff going on, the Chargers-Broncos game. But I'm assuming the way that the Chargers, that the Broncos won was that they were able to run the ball 
on them. And I know when the Chiefs played the Chargers this year, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire had about 100 yards, and we were able to run all over him. So I could see Joe Mixon having a really big game for the Bengals. Um, and I could just see them kind of managing the game, kind of low scoring, but I'll take the Bengals to win by one score. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, I definitely think that Justin Herbert is a pretty talented quarterback. Um, and I think that, uh, Joe Burrow is also a pretty talented quarterback. So what's the supporting cast around him and how does it go? Uh, It's definitely going to be a cold, colder game in Cleveland or Cincinnati, Ohio, um, colder than the Los Angeles chargers are used to. So, uh, I think that the Bengals, the Bengals might win by three or four, um, but that is about it. Um, then the Raiders, they're hosting the Washington football team. Vegas is favored by one and a half, so it's pick them. Um, Bryson, what are your thoughts on the Vegas, uh, the Vegas Raiders and the Washington football team tomorrow? Yeah, so this one's just as tough as the Chargers game to me because – I believe the Raiders are a better football team than the football team. <laughs> but the Raiders are like the definition of streaky. You know, they started 3-0, and 3-2, and 5-2, and 5-5. And five. Like, it's not what you want. And they, they turn around on Thanksgiving. They beat the Cowboys missing, you know, their two best receivers, of course. But still, it's a pretty prominent, promising win. So, you could say they're back to their streak. Um, I think – the Raiders Super Bowl, if you will, is always at Kansas City. And that's where they play at next week after this Washington game. So I would not be surprised if they're already looking forward to that. Um, and then you have this Washington team who is rolling right now. I mean, they took care of Seattle last week and they beat the Panthers and then the Buccaneers before that. And beating Tom Brady, you know, it's no easy task, as let see fans know. And so I think, you know, Washington continues their success, and I think they come in the Vegas road game kind of, <laughs> and I think they take care of business and beat the Raiders. So I think that this game, it's tough to pick, but I think it comes down to how Derek Carr plays. Because as we've seen, like we saw on the Sunday night game when the Chiefs played at the Raiders this year, that – you know, the game was close for a while. We kind of scored. We, like, scored to go up 10, I think. And then it was like, okay, what's Derek Carr going to do? Is he going to lead him down and score? What's going to happen? Then it's like he throws a pick or he goes three and out and he gets flustered. And especially when he's going up against a good defense, which the Chiefs defense has been as of lately, and they were that game, he's going to get flustered. And a lot of times he makes more mistakes. Last week mm-hmm. when he played against the Cowboys, the Cowboys defense, which is also pretty hit or miss, like, they weren't really stopping anyone. Like, I think Hunter Renfro had 120 yards, which, like, he's a decent receiver, but not someone that you think is just going to gash, gash you for 100 yards. Uh, Waller got hurt that game, and but Josh Jacobs had a really good game running the ball. So, I could see – so, I don't know. I think the Washington football team defense is pretty good, even without Chase Young. But I think the Raiders – I think they get it done, but I think it's really close, really ugly. I just don't have a ton of faith in Taylor Heineke. And, like, I know they just beat Seattle, but Seattle hasn't really been good at all this year. And the Raiders have been, like, decent, I guess. So, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be real close. But I think the Raiders get it done and maybe get some confidence going into next week against Kansas City. 
remember that Waller is out tomorrow too. That's yes. going to be some. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and just give you my pick. I'll say Raiders. Raiders by three. Okay, we're winding down. The college football season is definitely winding down. The NFL season, we're pretty far into the second half of the season. So now certain players start to emerge um, to be the best. Um, <laughs> so there are awards in both in both sports for that. Uh, the most valuable player award in the NFL um, and then the Heisman Trophy um, in college football. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with the Heisman Trophy since we'll find out who that is first. So who is the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Bryson? Well, as much as I hate Alabama, I don't think there's any way you can go against Bryce Young at this point. I mean, what he just did to, you know, the number one defense in the country – and then plus last week, I mean, they ugly the game three quarters last week, but he loved that game-winning drive. They put him in this situation. And so I think, you know, Bryce Jones, your clear-cut number one. After that, it gets interesting. I want to do, like, top three because they get, you know, all three get to go to the podium and stuff like that. I think the second half of the season that Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan has had, I think he deserves a number two spot. And – I mean, it's really hard for a defense player to win it, so I don't know if he ever really had a real shot, but I think they at least acknowledge him and give him, you know, some votes and stuff like that. And then rounding us out at third, I have Kenny Pickett. I think he's the best quarterback in college football, and I think he deserves to be right up there with Bryce Young. But I think Bryce Young's season and just the way he's played and his schedule and everything shows that he's the best player in college football. So I agree with Bryson at number one. Before today, I – didn't know if Bryce Young – I knew he was, like, a Heisman candidate, but after last week and some other guys that were, at least stats-wise, kind of similar to him, I wasn't sure if he'd be the Heisman. And if he kind of, you know, lost today and had a similar stat line to what he had against Auburn and they lose, I wasn't sure if he'd get the Heisman. However, they're going to be – or at least me and Nolan think that they're going to be the number one team in the country. If not, they'll be number two in the final college football playoff poll. You know, he just dismantled that whole Georgia defense. So he, if he doesn't win the Heisman, I'll be shocked. At number two, and I might be the only one that has this guy in the top three, I got C.J. Stroud. I think he has been really good. I To start the year, he kind of looked like he was a guy that was going to put up numbers because of his receivers. But as the season's gone on, I think that he's really progressed as a quarterback and he's improved a lot. His stats are really good. I thought in the Michigan game, even though they lost, he he really balled out. I think he threw for almost 400 yards, and he he was real good. Like he was making good reads, and I'm really excited to see like how him and Bryce Young are going to do next year. So I'd have him at number two. At number three, I would want to have I want to show love to one of the DNs, like Aiden Hutchinson or Will Anderson from Bama, or even Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. But I'll go with Kenny Pickett because, like Bryson said, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he should be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft. He really balled out tonight, and he's he's real talented. So that's my top three. But I would also – I wouldn't mind seeing one of those uh, DNs get to make it to New York as a finalist. 
All right. Uh, I definitely think uh, my top three, Bryce Young has uh, – Bryce Young is probably going to win the Heisman, and I think uh, deservedly so. Uh, he did pretty well um, against the Georgia defense today, and I think that fourth quarter um, in Jordan-Hare definitely won him uh, the Heisman, uh, definitely in my eyes anyway. Um, so the, the other two guys I would send to New York if I – if I were in charge, uh, would be uh, Aiden Hutchinson for Michigan. He's a pretty dominant defensive end, and he's one that definitely takes over games. Um, and I guess the third for me is something that neither of you mentioned, but uh, I would send Matt Corral uh, to New York. Matt Corral had a pretty gritty performance against Mississippi State and really impressed me the last time we saw him. Uh, he had a pretty good season. Um, so I would I would send Matt Corral to New York. Um, definitely not going to win it, but Matt Corral is very impressive. Uh, play had a really good season. Um, so yeah, Bryson. Yeah, I like Matt Corral too. But the one guy I think's kind of been slept on. I didn't include him in my top three, but he could easily be up there. Is Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State running back? He's put up you know great numbers and he's kind of carried that Michigan State team. So I think he at least deserves some acknowledge <laughs> yeah definitely one of the best running backs in the uh in college football um drew anything else to add to the heisman conversation so, so yeah kenneth walker definitely i think looking back at the michigan michigan state game that game overall was probably just more of like an outlier in terms of what we've seen michigan's defense do the last couple weeks but kenneth walker he just dominated like what do you have five touchdowns in almost 200 yards, like I'm not really sure what his stats were, but he just completely dominated that game. And I think him mm-hmm. kind of being banged up after that and the end of his season wasn't too great. And like his team ended up not being in the playoff picture. So I think that's going to hurt him. But I think he definitely should be in consideration. Like he might have been a favorite after that game. So he he's a stud for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's move on to the NFL MVP. Um, Bryson, go ahead. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, and I mean really pains me to say it, if you're picking an MVP right now, it's got to be Tom Brady. He leads the league in passing yards, touchdowns, and he's got less amount of pits as your top quarterback other than Aaron Rodgers, basically. So I think he's your top pick for MVP right now. Um, I mean, 3,400 yards and 30 touchdowns through 12 games is pretty solid. Um, I think the best player and probably the most deserving, though, is Jonathan Taylor. But when had the running back, you know, one, this, can, this that's not going to happen. And it could, but if Derrick Henry didn't win it last year, then I don't see Jonathan Taylor winning it this year. So I'd have Brady one. I'd have Stafford two, just because he's barely edging out Mahomes and he got two more touchdowns and two less pits. And then I have Mahomes third. But I think if Mahomes can ball out the rest of the year, then it's, it's his for the taking. Okay, so the obvious MVP is the guy who's leading in passing yards, which is Derek Carr. I'm joking. <laughs> let, our, let our awesome viewers get a laugh there. So <laughs> my number one for MVP would actually be Aaron Rodgers. I think that he has been really good this year, and I think in that Chiefs game, when we saw Jordan Love, who is supposed to be a really talented quarterback, you know, he really struggled that game, and I don't know – like, maybe Rodgers would have struggled that game, but I think they just, look lost out there in that game. And I think 
that shows how valuable he is. And they've only lost two games when Rodgers has been starting this year. So you compare that to basically every other team, and that's like best in the league. I think they have one of the best records anyway. I would, so I would have him as my MVP. And then I agree that Brady has been really awesome this year. Although lately he's been struggling a little bit. Maybe last week, not as much. He kind of just leaned on Leonard Fournette a lot. And then after that, I think I would have Mahomes just because, you know, his stats other than the turnovers haven't been or have been pretty good. And obviously the turnovers are a big factor. But I think if you look at the tape, a good amount of the turnovers are kind of just bad luck. Like he gets chased from behind and has a a sack fumble or he hits Terry Kill in the hands a couple times and he just doesn't catch it and then someone picks it, stuff like that. Someone that I think could win it if he hasn't missed if he hadn't missed so much time already is Kyler Murray, but I just don't think if you've missed a month of football, I don't think you can win. And Jonathan Taylor probably should be a candidate, but like you said, with Derrick Henry last year, he ran for over two thousand yards and I think like seventeen or eighteen touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor can probably put up those same stats, but you know this Colts team may or may not make the playoffs, and I just. If Derrick Henry wasn't going to win it last year, I just don't know how he gets it. So my top three would be Rodgers, Mahomes, and Tom Brady. All right, sounds good. Couple of couple of good lists there. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, first of all, one question: I want a yes or no answer. The Detroit Lions are playing the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. Does Detroit get their first win? No. Nope. All right. Let's move on to the state of Kansas. Um, so we're going to actually talk about Kansas State because something happened this week um, important with our football program. Woo! Courtney Messingham was let go as offensive coordinator, and you know that's something that most K-State fans have been calling for, if not all K-State fans have been calling for, um, for the past couple weeks since, since, right, since the regular season ended definitely um, when he failed to quarterback sneak on two drives in a row, which um, apparently no offensive coordinator likes to do now. But, but what are your guys' thoughts on Courtney Messingham being let go and uh, the state of the program as a whole after, after Coach Mess and Coach Ray got let go? Yeah, I think it sends a message to your offensive personnel because I think if he stays and seeing what they have going on, you're not like, – you already had, you know, one receiver transfer – I think a couple more pile up on there. I don't know if Noel stays. I don't know if Brooks stays. If you have him, Courtney back and if Will Howard's your starting quarterback next year. But so I think that is huge for their program. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think what's more important than the firing, though, is the hiring. And I know they're looking at the OC from Wyoming, but I think they need to branch out more. But they they got – they did the right decision, cut letting him loose. And I know he's best friends with Kleiman, so I'm sure that was a tough decision. But it was the right call. So I'm really glad that Kleiman was able to come to the decision to let him go because I really thought that, you know, they were always together at North Dakota State. And maybe – I know no one would know this better. I don't know if before North Dakota State if they were together at that school. I don't know where Kleiman coached at before North Dakota State. But to let him go after, you know, 
you could, if Clement really wanted to keep him, he could have said like, oh, well, we still had a winning season. Like we were still going to a bowl game. Like everything's fine. I thought maybe if K-State kept him and they had a bad year next year, then messing, like let's say hypothetically, Will Howard's their starting quarterback next year, Messingham's their offensive coordinator, and their offense just isn't as good because they don't have Skylar Thompson. They have a big downgrade at quarterback, and they go four and eight, five and seven. And then people are looking at Kleiman like, oh, thought you were supposed to be this really good coach. And then it's like, oh, well, Messingham's fired, and that'll get people off of Kleiman's case for a while. That's something that we see happen, I think, not all the time, but sometimes in college sports, like you'll see the coordinator get dragged along and then whenever things go bad then he's the scapegoat so I'm glad to see them get rid of him but yeah hopefully whoever they bring in is a little more less conservative than Courtney Messingham is and I don't know if Matt Wells the Texas Tech coach got fired if he would be an option or the Wyoming guy I don't know who all the options are but I'm sure they'll make a good hire and hopefully the dude can still can still, you know, help out recruit at a good level and do all that other stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the new guy definitely has to have a pretty good recruiting background in places that we aren't in. Um, with the Big 12 expanding down into Florida, I think it's a big deal to get somebody with a footprint in Florida. Um, since the Big 12 is going to be there, we might as well start recruiting there as well. Uh, we just are recruiting – high school wise or Kansas State's recruiting high school wise has become a little lackluster when you have teams like Iowa State uh, coming into the Wichita and Kansas City area and taking players from uh, the Wildcats that could be the wild could be you know K-State players such as Brees Hall um, is the best example of it Uh, that wasn't this coaching staff's fault but still um, Iowa State shouldn't be coming into Kansas and taking players like that I think another another thing that they could get is a much more inventive um, play caller, you know, Courtney or Coach Mess definitely had his his team was the best team um, any time they played on a Saturday uh, in Manhattan or in Fargo uh, when they were at North Dakota State. Um, Coach Kleiman and Coach Mess, they, they spent a lot of time in Iowa together, uh, not together, but coaching at, you know, some Division two schools um, around there. Coach Mess was actually the offensive coordinator at Iowa State for a few years. Um, but you know, no longer is. Uh, so they uh, they met up at North Dakota State. You know, their their paths finally uh, crossed uh, North Dakota State for a while under Craig Bull. Coach Kleiman was a defensive coordinator, and uh, Courtney Messingham was the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then Coach Kleiman retained him, obviously, when he became the head coach. Um, so there is that. Uh, but yes, the new guy definitely needs to be a good recruiter, uh, definitely needs to be more inventive uh, with the offense. Um, and speaking about Will Howard, let's talk about the other bit of K-State news uh, through the transfer portal. Um, <laughs> Nebraska quarterback, ex-quarterback Adrian Martinez was in Manhattan, Kansas this weekend. I don't know if you guys knew this, but his girlfriend plays volleyball for Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of that's going around. So uh, Adrian Martinez... Um, Apparently is an option for Kansas State. I don't know if they really want it. I don't think we should measure a quarterback on is he better than what we have now or is he good enough to help us compete for Big 12 titles, Um, which Adrian Martinez is not a quarterback good enough to help us compete for Big 12 titles. But um, what do you guys think about the Adrian Martinez rumors? Um, That's all they are right now. And do you think he would be a good fit in Manhattan? 
Yeah. I don't know. See, I think Adrian Martinez is a better quarterback than Will Howard. I think he's, if he came in, he'd start. He'd be the best quarterback on our roster. With that being said, I don't think you settle. I feel like that's taking the easy way out. You're settling for a quarterback. I think there's I think there's better quarterbacks on the transfer portal, and I think you need to attack that heavily. Uh, my thing with Adrian is he's not a winner. He has no clutch gene in his body. He's led, I think, two drives in his career at Nebraska where in the fourth quarter where they were down and he either needed to tie or take the lead. I think he led two drives, and that was it. And they lost both those games. And I'm not saying, you know, the loss is strictly on the quarterback to team game, but at some point your quarterback has to lead you down the field. And if you fail to do that, you know, 90% of your drives in the fourth quarter, it shows me you have no clutching in your body. Um, I think if K-State's serious about competing in the Big 12 next year and they want to be a top team in the Big 12, which I think is wide open next year. I mean, Baylor's going to be good because of Miranda, but and Oklahoma State's going to be solid too, this course. But I think they can flirt with being a top three team in the Big 12 with the talent they have coming back, especially on the defensive end. But they have, have to have a quarterback that can lead them. I don't think Martinez is that guy. Yeah, so – I haven't watched, like, a ton of Martinez at Nebraska, but when I have watched, like, you know, they gave Michigan State and Michigan, I think they lost both those games by three this year, so I was watching those games. It seems like Martinez is a guy that when it's going really good, it's like, wow, this guy is amazing. Like, he's he's a pretty good runner. You know, he can break a long run, and sometimes he can hit someone deep and hit the open man, but then other times it's just like, if anyone gets pressure on him, he just makes really poor decisions. And yeah, he's probably a, like him, if you're comparing him to Will Howard, which I just don't think you should do. But if you are, I would say that him and Will Howard are both good runners, kind of in different ways. Like Will Howard's more powerful because of his size and Adrian Martinez can kind of get outside and run. But Martinez is a better thrower, but probably not by a whole lot. So you might have the answer on the team. Like Jake Rubley could be the answer, but you know, we haven't seen him play a single snap. So I don't know if maybe they plan on giving him some reps in the bowl game. I don't know what Skyler's health status is for that. Um, But yeah, if it's not Adrian Martinez, it's gotta be someone else in the transfer portal. Maybe you get him in here or someone else in there and you let him and Jake or and Will, I guess, you know, duke it out and then the other one transfers. That doesn't make it. I don't know how all that would play out. I don't even know who else is in the transfer portal because it seems like Dylan Gabriel is going to be going to Ole Miss and not to K-State. So I don't know what other options there are, but I don't think Adrian Martinez is necessarily the answer, even if he is better than Will Howard. Yeah, definitely. I will, I will contest you a little bit there on the Jake Rubley thing. Um, I don't know if Jake Rubley's ready. You know, Jake Rubley definitely when he showed up on campus, he was pretty raw um, and wasn't really the, catching on to the offense quick enough, uh, which is something Will Howard did pretty good. Uh, Jake Rubley never moved in the depth chart, always always behind Jaron this year, so um, never moved up, spent a lot of time on scout team, so uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Adrian Martinez uh, this year had 2,863 passing yards. He had 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, uh, which is tied for 101st in the country. 
So if that helps anything, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't say that he doesn't have, we don't know if he has a clutch gene or not because Nebraska never put themselves in a position to win a football game when he was there. And it wasn't just Martinez. I mean, we watched the Illinois game where, uh, at the beginning in week zero, uh, where, they what was it the punter got the ball and then threw it backwards or what happened there I can't remember but just Nebraska itself is a rough rough watch um so I don't know if we can 100% fault Adrian there but yeah definitely definitely something to keep an eye on K-State looking for quarterbacks in the transfer portal um and seeing if Colin Klein can't develop Jake Rubley into something that we hope he would be uh, so yeah, Kansas and Kansas state both played basketball games this week. Um, Kansas beating St. John's yesterday or on Friday, 92 to 75. Uh, and that was part of the big 12 big East challenge. I don't know why in the big 12 big East challenge, you took the best team from the big 12 and had them play St. John's. Um, but you know, if that's, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Kansas State will play their Big 12 Big East Challenge next Wednesday. They'll play Marquette. They'll play host Marquette. So that should be something pretty – that'll be pretty fun to watch. Um, but tomorrow, don't don't just watch the NFL, people. Uh, the Wildcats are playing the Shockers at five in Interest Bank Arena. So definitely something to keep an eye on. So if any of you have any comments on anything else, you guys can go ahead um, real quick. Um, I think that game tomorrow – is interesting with K State. I think it's a very winnable game too. Um, they they have slowed down ETN. He struggled last week, so I'm I'm feeling he's going to come out ready to play. You got to slow down, slow him down, and you have to play turnover limited basketball, like they have kind of been struggling to in the last few weeks. But if they can limit turnovers and they can slow down and just let Nigel lead them, then I think they have a chance to come away with the win. So first about Kansas's win against St. John's. Um, St. John's is five and two, and they're all non-conference schedule so far. With I guess they've played two Power Five teams and they've lost both of those games. Hopefully they can maybe keep it up throughout the season and make the tournament be a little resume builder for for Kansas. Um, they were, I think I was working when this game happened. But I checked my phone at one point, and I think that Kansas was only winning by seven or eight at one point in the second half. And I was like, okay, like, are, are they going to win? Like, are we going to win ugly? Is it going to be like a Dayton game? Like, what's going on? But, you know, Christian Brown, who, you know, is outside of the top two guys that people thought were going to be the best players for Kansas this year, you know, Ochai Baji and transfer Remy Martin, him putting up 30, you know, regardless of – whoever you're playing, you're putting up 30 in a college basketball game. I think you'd put some people on watch. So hopefully he, he keeps it up. Um, about K-State's game, I, in a weird way, like, I don't want to say that I'm impressed by them, but I was, you know, after you lose those two games in Kansas City to Illinois and Arkansas, even though those are two pretty good teams. Actually, I think Arkansas is a really good team. I think Illinois is pretty good. You lose those two games and you could be like, oh, you know, here we are. We're not, you know, we suck, you know, we, whatever. But, you know, Bruce 
Bruce is still coaching this team and they're going to fight. And I thought that them at least blowing out and covering against the two teams that they played this week in Manhattan, I think that's a good thing to have going for you. It seems like they shoot way better at home than they do on the road, which I'm sure is true for most teams. But they shot horrific, especially from deep, in the two games at the T-Mobile Center. So if they're going to win in Wichita, at it's at Interest Bank, right? It's not at Wichita State's home court? Okay. So if they're going to win this technically neutral site game, they, they're going to have to shoot good like they didn't shoot good at the T-Mobile Center. I expect a low-scoring game, but if K-State's going to win, they're going to have to hit some shots. So that's my take. Hopefully they win and get some, you know, get some momentum going that Marquette game because that Marquette game is huge as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Marquette game is probably the bigger of the two. I think it's nice any chance Kansas State gets to set themselves as a program a little bit higher. Uh, higher up than Wichita State, I think that's that's good. So I think this a win over Wichita State would be pretty big. Uh, the two games in Kansas City, I think, taught Kansas State how to play basketball. Um, I think that's what it was. I think it taught them how to play basketball at a high level or showed them what teams that play basketball at a high level, what it takes to compete with them. Uh, so I think it was um, – Definitely, definitely something something to watch. I think it set a tone. Uh, it taught them how to play fast and play as a team. And yeah, so I think they'll win this to win this game tomorrow. I think it's a big game. I think the game Wednesday is a big game. I'm pretty pumped to be there. Pretty excited about it. Um, it'll be a fun atmosphere in Fred Bramlage Coliseum, uh, the octagon of doom, as most call it. So hopefully there'll be quite a few fans in attendance and. Uh, hopefully it'll be a pretty good atmosphere there. Um, Drew, you had something? Yeah. So going back to the K-State quarterback situation, what do you think they should do for this bowl game? Like, do you think Skyler's going to be back? And if you don't, or maybe if you do, do you think Jake Rubley should get some play, or do you think he's not ready at all right now? Yeah, I think Jake Rubley's pretty far away from being ready. Um, I think – Jake Rubley is going to need another offseason. I think Skyler will be back, and I think Skyler will play, especially this being a sixth year, and he has already fought through an injury. Um, so I think Skyler will be back. Skyler will play, and Skyler will probably have a pretty good football game, being his last game at K-State. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jake's not ready. Um, will, I guess Will wasn't ready last year, but we had to play Will out of necessity. So, yeah, Jake's not ready. So we'll see. So, um, any last thoughts, any last comments? All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode two of the Hardly Knowledgeable podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. We do have a Twitter account now. Uh, it's Hardly Knowledgeable. Go ahead and search it up on Twitter and PM us, ask us questions. Uh, we will do our best to answer them. The more questions we get, the better, the more time we can commit to answering those questions. Um, I'll link and, the Twitter. I'll link the Twitter in the description so people can look at the description under the podcast and follow it from there. Yep, yep, that sounds good. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, yep, that'll do it. Thanks, guys.